Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast where women get really honest about surviving and thriving in what often feels like a man's world. My guests are wonder women from the fields of science, technology, engineering and mathematics or STEM, where inclusivity and diversity can be a real problem. I know this only too well as a female Southeast Asian mechanical engineer. I'm kind of a minority within a minority. I'm Dr. Shanice O'Mara, an engineer turned broadcaster. Throughout my career, I've worked on and reported on some cutting edge technology and innovation. And through my TV work, I've met some incredibly inspiring women from a diverse range of STEM fields. Talking to these exceptional ladies has often left me feeling empowered, hopeful, and excited about life. I believe silence will enrich you too. Every week, a woman in STEM shares her unique experiences with absolutely no pressure in having to promote her accomplishments or guard her impressive reputation, because I've come to realize that everyone is just way more open and relaxed when they're anonymous. So I deliberately disguise my guest voices so that we're just connecting as human beings rather than human doings. It's my hope that you really relate to what we chat about today. And if so, please do subscribe to Silence and maybe even rate and review the show. I'd love to have your feedback. This week, my guest is in the field of aerospace engineering. Hi. Hi. How are you? Uh, I'm very well, actually. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I know that uh, you have quite a lot on your plate at the moment as you're juggling motherhood um, and a job all at the same time. Yeah. So I've, I've got a little one now, 10 months old. Yeah. Oh, gosh. How is it? Uh, It's a lot more fun than I expected it to be. I always uh, was a little bit concerned. I've been quite kind of career focused and and driven and excited and passionate about my job. And I was a little bit worried that um, I wasn't going to have the maternal feelings. But I'm enjoying that side of life, too. So it's, it's good to have the balance now. So tell me, did you ever plan to have a child or was it unplanned? (laughs) <laughs> I always assumed that one day my future would be to have a family of my own, but mm. I never really had that uh, sort of hormonal um, rush of, oh, I must have a baby, I really want to have a baby right now kind of thing. Mm. And my husband and I discussed it and said that perhaps I just wasn't going to have those feelings and um, I knew that I logically did want it to happen so it would never feel like the right time and we may as well try now and uh, yeah oh wow and how you know sorry we're launching right <laughs> into it but um I'm just fascinated because uh, for women in STEM and I think women that are very career-minded um, it never really feels like the right time to go into motherhood definitely so how did you kind of grapple with that? Um, well, I, I did try to get to a point in my career and in the project that I was working on that it would fit and I could take a few months out without it really impacting the project. Um, so within a little, that was how I justified it. In hindsight, maybe that was... Um, unnecessary because it turns out that the project is always shifting and um it's never the right time and I probably you know um could have had this time out at a different time and had a different but sort of similar proportion um impact on my career so you know. I'm fascinated by women who are in STEM careers or other careers who do take time out to have children because, um, first of all, it's a lifelong commitment. And secondly, you know, when you've been studying your whole life and kind of working towards a career goal, the idea of embarking on something completely unknown, like having a baby, just seems so daunting. Like, how how was the whole process for you? Like, was it like a leap of faith? Absolutely. Um, because I, I'd never felt maternal towards other people's children. Mm-hmm. Never wanted to hold other people's children. <laughs> Don't really have any other relatives. So I didn't even really know how to deal with a child in a kind of logical, rational manner, let alone whether I would bond with it and, and love it. So, um, I mean... I assumed that there were some pretty strong hormones involved in the whole process and that humanity is 
survived to this point so there must be something going on Mm. but it was a a, a massive leap of faith definitely and why did you feel like it was safe to take that leap of faith I didn't feel like it was safe and um, it definitely hasn't been safe Uh, there's definitely been a huge impact on my career and and the way that colleagues are treating me and all of that kind of thing so Mm. Gosh, I cannot wait to kind of expand on that. So I'm assuming that you've got a really supportive husband. So that was probably Absolutely, one Absolutely, yes, definitely. Okay. Yeah. And like in terms of like where you were in your career and it's like, okay, let's take the leap of faith now. Like had you got to a point in your career where you felt like um, it wasn't such a high risk to take time out to have a child? It was less about the risk um, and more that, it was appropriate within the project that I was working on that we'd we'd reached all of our milestones. I, I felt that I had a secure role um, planned going forward um, and it would have a, a slack few months in the project and that if I had those few months off, it wouldn't really impact the project. Mm. So I was trying to minimise the disruption on the project. I was kind of planning my family around the work that I do. Um, unfortunately, it turns out that the project didn't have my back in the way that I expected they were going to. So I ended up not having the secure job that I planned my family around and ended up just doing odd jobs for other people. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, was that personal? Or do you think that your workplace just didn't know how to handle like you know the process of having a child a bit of both so I feel like you can make a lot of excuses Mm. for the the way that I was treated and and the way that things happened and if you really put a positive spin on it maybe people were trying to protect me or trying to minimize the stress of my career Um, but actually what I wanted was to be able to continue having that career and actually the biggest stress that I had was that plunging into motherhood would mean the end of my career and would mean that people would treat me differently and and that was realized so it it was the worst way possible that I could have been treated. So what would have been the best way to have been treated because I I literally feel like corporates don't know well as if nothing had changed right okay but biologically speaking a lot of the management are senior men and I think maybe whether it's a sort of bias that they don't recognize but they I think they try and project what they expect you need or should want or something onto you and then treat you in a certain way because of it rather than actually asking you Mm. what you want and then believing the answer that you give them yeah so it's like you tell them what you want but then they go ahead and think they know better about what you need well just this kind of attitude of oh well she says she's only going to take three months off but I'm sure she'll come back once she's had the baby and and want to take longer. Mm. So we'll deal with that then. And we won't make any plans for three months because she's definitely going to change her mind. And what was your reality? Uh, Basically, when I told my company I was pregnant, I very quickly ended up with the role that I thought was guaranteed to me it was written in the the uh, job description when I applied that this role would progress into another role um and it that the the further role was given to somebody else and I wasn't given another job so I basically didn't have a role and just ended up doing odd jobs for people until I started my maternity leave and then when I did come back three months later they really didn't have a plan of what to do with me at all. So I'd gone from quite a high-flying job managing 25 people in a multi-million pound project to really just trying to find ways to fill up my day. 
gosh, it's like being treated like you're an invalid. Absolutely. And whether that was because they were trying to protect me or trying to um, allow me a work-life balance or whether it was just because they honestly didn't expect me to go back to work or they did think that I was somehow less capable during that time. I just found it really insulting. My attitude was that I'm taking some time out of work and out of my career, so I need to work even harder the time that I am at work and progress as far as I would in a whole year in six months because I'm taking six months out. Otherwise, I've taken a hit. Whereas their attitude was, well, she's only going to be in for six months this year and she's probably not going to do anything particularly beneficial in that time so we may as well not try and give her anything to fail at or that's how I felt yeah I mean there's the other side of the coin where women have claimed to have made massive shifts biologically as a result of having a baby which affects the way they think and their motivations and their priorities did that happen to you Definitely, I enjoy motherhood and I enjoy spending time with my baby far more than I expected to, which is great. Um, And it might affect how many hours I'm willing to be in the office or what hours I'm willing to work for the short term, at least, because I have to balance childcare and drop offs at nursery and all of that kind of thing. But for the time that I am in the office, I still feel that I'm just as capable, just as focused, just as motivated. And I really want something challenging. It's almost like I need something that I feel that I'm making a difference and that I'm important while I'm at work. Because if I'm not important while I'm at work, then why am I paying somebody else money to bring up my child? Right. Um, in a way that I might not have chosen to bring them up if I was there doing it myself. Mm. Gosh. So they, it's almost, it's, it's now got to compete with something that's also fulfilling that I could be doing at home. Yeah. Where I never actually had that before. Gosh, I've never thought about that. Um, that's so poignant. Um. So how, so where do you stand now? Like uh, now that your child is 10 months old, are you, have you been able to prove that you really want to be challenged at work? I've, I've been saying it and saying it and saying it. Um, so the way that my husband and I split the parental leave that we had, so you have a year that the two parents can share. So I went back to work after three months. My husband took six months off and then I'm taking the last three months of the year. So I'm due to go back full time in January and I've been trying to line up a job and make sure that I'm going to have something challenging and exciting that I can kind of engage with. But I'm just finding it very hard at the moment to get anyone to actually commit to what role I'm going to have. So whilst I'm chasing and offering to go into the office and talk to people and interview for roles and all of this kind of thing, everyone's being quite um, difficult to get hold of and difficult to pin down and uh, basically reluctant to commit to anything. Gosh, it sounds like the curse of becoming mum. You know, it just doesn't sound welcomed. It's, It's so fascinating to me that, you know, I'm hearing someone who really wants to be good at her job and so driven and so ambitious in what she does and it really comes across that you love what you do I really and (laughs) yeah and it kind of sounds like you're missing your your work to a degree I am and I I really enjoyed going back to work after three months and being in the office and being in that environment and being able to use my brain and being able to talk about engineering things and and think and problem solve because Mm. I was worried and I was really quite struggling I'd Mm. say with almost a lack of identity because I when I wasn't working I didn't have this drive and this thing to focus my attention and my my mind on 
and I miss that. Yeah. You know, hearing you makes me wonder whether, because, you know, the general consensus is, oh, gosh, she's pregnant, that's it, game over, you know, we'll never see her again kind of attitude. And I wonder whether it's actually... You know, I've always assumed that is what biologically happens. Like you have a child and that's it. You, all you want is, you know, to to sort of be with your child. But um, I wonder whether it's people imposing that or projecting that on women. And actually, career women really want to go back to their careers. Well, I just don't understand why you can't want both. Men are expected to continue to want both. So why is it different for women? Right. And by the way, your husband sounds absolutely awesome that he's taking six months out for paternity leave and kind of giving you that time required to get your foot back in the door at work. Well, yeah, I mean, personally, I wanted that. I I felt that if we were going to have a child together, then we should share the parenting responsibilities equally. And he agreed. But also, in some ways, I think that it can be quite selfish of the woman to take or expect to take the full year herself and have that time to bond with the child and not expect the father to have any. Mm. So my husband absolutely loved the time that he had off and he really enjoyed the time. He became a very confident parent in a way that a lot of the the fathers that I've seen that haven't had one-on-one time with their child in the same way, yeah. haven't had time to build that confidence of their own capabilities as a parent and always defer to the mother um, whenever the going gets tough. Whereas my husband has a brilliant bond with our son and is perfectly confident and capable in his abilities as a parent as a result of having that time with him. So I think it's benefited him as well as me and he enjoyed it. So it was great for both yeah. of us. I, I literally, like, my eyes are welling up at the idea that, <laughs> I mean, you are breaking so many um, outdated conventions, you and your husband. And it's... Yeah, and I'm, I'm very proud of him for being willing to take that leap because it has had an impact on his career as well. And In what way? Well, in a very similar way, to my job actually he works in a project-based environment Mm -hmm. and so we both made sure that we left the project in a good position to continue without us and sort of delegated all of our responsibilities and made sure that all of the loose ends were tied up before we left Mm. and you basically do yourself out of a job that way because the project moves on somebody else is doing the role that you were doing or maybe the project's evolved so that the role that you were doing doesn't exist anymore and you don't have a a role Mm. to come back to so in much the same way that I have had to go looking for a new role when I went back he has as well and he's found that people have moved on maybe the managers that you were working for previously aren't in the same role either so you don't necessarily have the reputation with the people that are left um to have them immediately place you in a position of a similar rank or um, a similar um, challenge ready waiting for you when you go back. Gosh. So, you know, because when I was listening to you describe your work situation, I was starting to get quite angry at what you had gone through, um, assuming that it was very gender specific. But actually, it's not Mm. gender specific. It's, It's kind of circumstance specific corporates don't want their employees to have families to have any other commitments <laughs> other than the, than the company well yeah they they just aren't really set up to have people take a few months out it's it's like having a sabbatical mm. and then needing to come back to a job that's ready and waiting for you um even though that's that's not how it works in in reality. I do think that there are still gender aspects of it where it's expected of the woman and therefore people treat them differently. Mm. But I, I think a lot of it's just the kind of the project-based nature of engineering work. Right. So do you reckon it's because 
you know, in STEM fields, it's just highly competitive and fast moving, fast paced. I wouldn't necessarily say that it's the competitive aspect. Um, it's it's just the fact that you've got an ever evolving project. So if you have a, a role, it doesn't stay the same role for a long time ever in the industries that I work in. So your job evolves through time. And as you go from maybe the design phase of the project through the testing phase of the project, the prototyping part, then you go into industrialization. And if you work with the project, your your role normally evolves, but it never really um, stays a particular task that you're doing. The tasks are changing on a daily basis and evolving um, with the project nature. Mm. And... So it's very easy to get left behind in that kind of environment if you take even more than a few weeks out of the office. Mm, yeah. And that's what they're struggling with. Yeah. So have you ever thought that with all your skills and knowledge and experience that you would be better off um, in a different role? A lot of women that I've interviewed for this podcast have expressed um, that post childbirth um startups are a better environment for them because of the flexibility (laughs) definitely i think some of the the larger engineering workplaces are quite hesitant to adopt new working practices and so their flexible working policies or their working from home policies their remote working um isn't up to date it's not cutting edge and a lot of the actual kind of hr policies around um parental leave um maybe um the actual pay that you get during um parental leave and that kind of thing are also not um up to par with some of these really modern um groundbreaking new startups that have this kind of progressive forward thinking mentality from the start and and have a blank sheet of paper when they come to draw up their policies so have a lot more flexibility and ability to um, rewrite the rule book I think. Yeah it sounds like big corporates or big you know engineering projects just don't have room for um, being human. <laughs> it's it's a funny one isn't it i think there's just a lot of inertia when you've got a very big company um very well established and a bit of a kind of well this is the way we've always done it attitude it's very difficult to make changes in that environment whereas if you're starting afresh with a a small team of people um you can be a lot more agile and change things and make things um in in your vision of the future Mm. you mentioned from the start you mentioned earlier that a lot of your senior management are male I wonder if if you had senior management that were female whether things would be different (laughs) um it's interesting a lot of the people that I've spoken to that have been the most willing to push for change have been women and whether that's just because historically the burden of childcare has been on them and they've they've sort of experienced why our current system is broken um maybe that's it or or maybe it's because they want to see a more egalitarian future where where the men don't necessarily understand the full complexities of the problem how can we change this? Like, I know it's a massive problem, but what would be the first steps to change? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not really sure. I, I personally, I think the, the problem has to be solved incrementally. It's not all just going to change overnight. It's a society expects women to take on most of the child care aspects. Um, And a lot of women expect and want to take the majority of the uh, 
the time off, um, those kind of things. I think until we've got fathers taking time off as frequently as mothers, women will always be the ones that are viewed with suspicion when they reach a certain age and treated maybe um, as if they're a ticking time bomb and all of those things that people talk about, um, that people view them in a way that uh, maybe they don't make plans for them over a five-year period in the same way that they do for men of a certain age. If you manage to get men taking their parental leave as much as you do women, then they become just as much of a risk and it just becomes all people who are coupled up of a certain age become a risk and then you have an egalitarian risk factor or um, expectation and then that's the way Mm. that you solve it so that's why I'm really proud of my husband for kind of stepping up um, and taking that leave because people haven't adopted um, the change that I mean, it's legally enforced now that both parents can take leave, but I think it's still dismally low, the amount of eligible men that have actually taken even more than a couple of weeks out of the office. So until we manage to convince men to do um, their share of the childcare and women to allow them to, um, it's always going to be the same, isn't it? Women are always, for the foreseeable future at least, going to be the ones that carry the child during the pregnancy and then bear the child whereas for a man um it's quite possible to conceive a child and not even be aware of it if you haven't been told about it so um it's it's quite a lot more obvious for the woman that she's carrying a child and she's going to mother a child um you know i just really feel like we've become so uh, you know, we're we're such a kind of like the um, taking responsibility for the consequences of our actions. You know, like using plastic bottles and not really worrying about the fact that it ends up in the ocean or landfill eventually, which really pollutes our environment. You know, just things like that, where it's always just instant gratification and not we we spend no time sort of uh, considering what our actions. And I just feel like you know, unlike your husband, he really, you know, he knew what taking the leap of faith into parenthood would mean. And he's assuming responsibility for that. I mean, you know, absolutely. We need more like him. We do. We need to change attitudes, one one, um, individual at a time. And uh, yeah, I'm just really proud that he was one of those ones that was willing to be a groundbreaker um, in his organisation, but also in his peer group um, in taking that time off. So, And also to thank him for now having to deal with the burden and pressure (laughs) of people wanting to steal his job, basically. as a result of having old sort of uh, mentalities towards um, career, which is, you know, competitive, um, cutthroat and driven, you know, we're going to just take, yeah, yeah. How did you get into a STEM field in the first place? Like, as a young child, was it really obvious that this was the career direction you were going to go into? I wouldn't say so, no. Um, I was always good at maths and physics and, and logic problems, but always the things that I enjoyed doing uh, were creating things and art and design and DT and all of those things. Those were the my favourite mm-hmm. lessons at school. And teachers did say to me, oh, you should become an engineer. But I didn't really know what engineering was. I didn't know any engineers um, through my family or um, parents of friends. And I had that kind of common misconception that engineers fix broken boilers or washing machines. Yeah. That it was a kind of a grubby, um, hands-on 
job and I didn't really understand why people were trying to propose that for me because it was clear to me that I I wanted to do something creative Mm. and uh, yeah it really took seeing some engineering projects in the press for me to kind of change those perceptions and say oh actually if that's engineering that looks pretty cool I'd quite like to do that. What were the projects? So I was probably 16, 17 before I really started to look into what engineering actually was and then start to build up that picture for myself of, well, could I do this and can I see myself in this career? What was it that sparked your interest about engineering? Like, was it something to do with space or was it something to do with bridges? I mean, what kind of engineering... um, got you (laughs) um so when I was looking into what kinds of things appealed to me uh I looked at robotics I thought I'd quite like to go and make the next Asimo for Honda Uh, and I looked into green energy and I was quite um, motivated by the idea that I could solve the world's energy crisis and I could um decrease our reliance on fossil fuels and and generally lead us towards more renewable clean energy and then i saw space Mm. missions and i saw um the kind of cutting edge science and technology and and how it's changing the way that we live down here on earth and i found that inspirational as well so um, Mm. i wanted to keep my options open i i didn't want to pin all of my hopes on one particular career avenue but i saw that mechanical engineering was a key factor in all of those types of engineering and so if I studied mechanical engineering then probably I'd be able to find some career um, that was interesting and and aspirational for me at the end of my degree. Mm, Yeah and so when you embarked on your mechanical engineering Mm -hmm. you know um, were you surprised or uncomfortable about the uh, fact that these subjects are very male dominated. Well, I went to an all girls secondary school, mm-hmm. so I I did overnight go from an all female environment to an effectively all male yeah. environment. So that was a little bit of a sea change, um, but it it wasn't too bad. I I don't know what it is about me and my personality, but I've always been quite kind of sure about who mm. I am and um, have cared little for what other people think of me. Oh, my God, that's so cute. So <laughs> um, I kind of just carried on mm. being me and kind of felt like whoever was around me, if they were my type of person, they'd they'd appreciate that and they would be my friend and if they didn't appreciate that then I didn't need them as a friend gosh that is fundamental I think um you know when I hear you describe that I must say that I personally never had that kind of confidence which is probably what made me um you know doubt my capabilities all throughout where where did that confidence come from like how is it created in you or were you just born with that (laughs) um whether it's confidence or whether it's just stubbornness I'm not really sure um and I'm not sure that confidence is really the right word because I do kind of I want people to like me and I do crave respect from figures of authority or you know have done as a, a teenager and that kind of thing but um I also don't really necessarily place that much emphasis on whether other people think that I've done well or not. My kind of reward um, centre is internalised. It's, am I happy with this thing that I've done? Do do I like the person that I'm becoming? Do I... Um, feel proud of the job that I've done here and if I don't feel proud no amount of praise um, or criticism will change my opinion that I haven't done a good job 
um, because I don't think that I've done a good job. So I I don't know. I, I guess it's just this, um, my perception of myself um, is driven internally. And so it, it doesn't really matter what other people think, um, good or bad. If I think that it's good or bad, um, that's the thing that I'm going to dwell on. Does that make any sense? So I find it absolutely fascinating. And I'm dying to know where that came from. Like, do you reckon you had very supportive parents or like what kind of childhood upbringing did you have? Because that kind of um, self-assurance is born very early on in our lives, I think. It's an interesting question. I don't really know the answer. My parents were always um, supportive of me and, and what I chose to do. They always said that they couldn't make the decision of what I needed to do with my life. Um, and that was up to me and that they'd support me whatever I chose. So they gave me completely free reign um, in terms of what degree I was going to choose, what subjects I was going to study at school um, and what career I was going to apply for at the end of it, which in some way um, was great because obviously I could do whatever I wanted, but in other ways was quite intimidating because I felt like I didn't know what careers were available and I didn't know what I should choose. And um, in some ways I felt like I I wanted guidance and I wanted them to tell me what I should do just Mm. because it was easier. Um, Were they in STEM subjects? My dad was an industrial chemist. So he was um, in a STEM subject in his career, but he'd got there a long way. So he didn't get very many GCSEs at school. And then he he left school after that and then went back to studying um, later in life. So in some ways, he was quite keen that we kept going with our studies at school because he recognised that he'd taken a, a harder route than he needed to. So he was quite um, firm with us that we needed to concentrate at school and we needed to um, get a good education. Mm. Um, so he was definitely making sure that that was going to happen. But um, then he, where we went with that was completely left open mm. to us. And it sounds like giving you the responsibility for your own decisions really allowed you to assume that kind of responsibility early on and kind of live with your decisions (laughs) well yeah definitely there are a few people trying to tell me that engineering wasn't the way that I should be going um and that they didn't approve of this as a a career choice and I had to kind of defend it um against a few teachers or um parents of friends or even family members that kind of saw it as maybe a the stereotype of the grubby job or um, I think my grandmother said oh no you don't want to do that they'll have lewd calendars on the wall and all sorts um, (laughs) visualizing some kind of mechanics workshop Um, Mm, so I became very adept at saying well it's not just trains and cars and things that um, engineers do It's, it's designing new things and it's designing things that go into space and robots and green energy and all of these things so I'm going to go and design these new things and people would kind of look at me and maybe they'd be persuaded or maybe they wouldn't but I just had to kind of stick to my guns and well not let them put me off. Mm. It's very forward thinking of you. (laughs) You think? (laughs) Yeah. To sort of like go against all conventional thinking and say, no, I actually believe it's something more than that. I'm going to keep with it. Well, maybe it comes back to the same kind of point of just once I found out what something is and I I feel like I've um, done my research, I'm then not going to be persuaded otherwise by people that haven't also done the research. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You said that maths and physics and things weren't necessarily your strongest subjects. So how did you get on with doing a degree in mechanical engineering 
uh, with all the maths and physics that is involved in that kind of degree? Um, I mean, I was always reasonably strong in those subjects. I just didn't enjoy them very much. I found them quite dry um, <laughs> and quite difficult to get excited by. Um, so I did motivate myself by the idea that, yeah, okay, I'm not enjoying solving this differential equation or whatever it was, but if I mm. pass this exam, then I can go and build space robots. So the fun stuff. Um, it's yeah. just jumping through hoops <laughs> um, to get to the point that I want to get to. So it was about having that um, bigger picture and having that motivation to push through the the dull bits as I saw them um, to get to the exciting and kind of stable and well-paid career that I had um, as an expectation of the uh, the payback. Mm. I must say, uh, listening to you just makes me think that your 10-month-old son is a really lucky boy to have a mum like you. Um, because you just sound so clear in the way you approach life um and someone that is very unflappable where does that all come from um i would probably credit my grandmother with that um i spent a lot of time with my grandmother she uh, she lived in the same village as us and uh, i'd see her most days um when i was a small child um while my mum was at work um, or she'd pick us up from school or things like that. And she was um, she was absolutely solid in much the same way that you've just described me. I, I don't see myself in those terms, but she was very capable, um, very driven, very particular about how things were going to be done. And she was also very confident in her own opinion of things and, and very <laughs> stubborn, hard to dissuade from an opinion once she once she'd researched it, once she'd thought about it. She'd decide what her opinion on a thing was, and then you could not move her. Um, I think a little of that has yeah, maybe I mean, rubbed off on me. just sounds absolutely epic. Um, because I think when women... <laughs> she was a very impressive. Um, when women are in male-dominated environments, it's certainly been my experience and the experience of a few guests on this show that, you know men can be pretty intimidating and can try to make us doubt ourselves. Have you experienced that? And if so, how have you dealt with it? <laughs> um, it's always a difficult one and it really depends on the situation but I've I've had all sorts um I think everyone has who who's worked in a male-dominated environment before um one that springs to mind at the moment was uh I was going to be working quite closely with a, a senior guy who was known for being grumpy and um opinionated and maybe difficult to get on with and a few months into working with him he said have I ever told you that when they first told me I'd be working with this little blonde girl on this project, I thought it was going to be an absolute disaster. But abs actually, you're not that bad, are you? I kind of went, was that meant to be a compliment? Or... Wow. <laughs> um, I guess sometimes you just have to deflect it with humour um, or just try and cock an eyebrow and just, make them think about what they've just said maybe not even say anything back um just let them take that moment to go that probably shouldn't have come out of my mouth feel bad about it um, <laughs> and then maybe not do it again yeah. next time i think uh, a well-placed yeah. arch eyebrow is probably my event <laughs> Yeah, and it's kind of um, goes back to what you were saying about really knowing yourself, because, you know, you can only really arch an eyebrow when you have a solid sense of who you are. <laughs> Maybe. It's definitely my, my first line of defence against a lot of things in life. <laughs> what, knowing who you are? 
yeah knowing who I am and um and feeling fairly immovable in that so things can carry on around me and people can say what they want to say but ultimately I'm still me and I know where I am and I know what I think um and so their opinion doesn't affect me too much gosh I just absolutely love that and I wish I could bottle it and not produce it <laughs> like you know where does that come from like are you because you know there there might be people listening to this going I want to have that how do I get that attitude like do you have any sort of like tips or you know just uh suggestions on how someone can develop can develop that kind of attitude for themselves it's an interesting question I've never really thought about it um I mean I'm not saying that things that people say don't hurt me or don't affect me or that I don't dwell on them afterwards but at some point you've just got to take a step back and just say okay that's that's them that's their opinion you do you um and if you think that what you're doing is right or you think that you've done a good job um, or you've done the best of your ability and you're proud of yourself, then what does it matter what somebody else thinks? Um, It's basically about doing your best at all times and making yourself proud. And that's my primary goal in life is to be proud of myself and to be happy with myself and then as long as you're happy with yourself and happy with what you've done, then just who cares what other people think? Gosh, I mean, you really make it sound so simple and I just love your attitude. It's so healthy and so unshakable. Um, and I, yeah, I, I literally wish I could somehow contain it and, you know, just just adopt it immediately um I don't know what it is that prevents people from having um anything but an attitude like yours it just the way you make it sound so simple it's kind of like yeah that seems really obvious I don't know why I've never thought that way about myself um but for any young aspiring women who are considering STEM as a career option what would you say to them based on your experiences and what you've been through? I think the tide is changing. Definitely I'm seeing the world changing around us. You've got um, all of these drives for um, gender equality, for pay equality, for um, equality of opportunity for men and women um, in terms of Uh, the careers that they can aspire to. And I think it is shifting that way. So whilst maybe so far in this podcast, I haven't painted a particularly rosy picture of my experiences, I do think that it's still a really great career to get into. It's really rewarding work. Um, It's a very stable career. It's very well paid, um, relatively speaking. And it is changing, it is becoming more equal, it is all progressing in the right direction. So I I do think it's a great place to be and a great place to aim for. Um, We're just not quite 100% of the way there yet, but there are people fighting those battles, so you don't have to fight them all yourself, don't worry about that. Um, And it is changing, so I don't want to put people off coming here, it is a great place to be. Just we want to make it even better. Mm, yeah. And, you know, now that you've also had um, a taste of what it's like to be juggling motherhood and a career, would you do anything differently or have you learned anything from the experience? Are you going to have a second child? Like, <laughs> what's the situation with that? Um. I've I've just enjoyed motherhood a lot more than I expected to. Um, I would totally recommend that to anyone that's on the fence as well. Um, And yeah, it's going to complicate my career because now I've got to juggle those two things. But if it's important to you, you make it work, right? So 
I I will mm-hmm. find that balance, whatever it ends up being, between the things that I'm passionate about in life. Um, and yeah, I'll I'll keep doing what makes me happy. And and at the moment, that seems to be engineering and motherhood. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some women actually, you know, make a conscious decision not to have children because they feel that they've got to choose one or the other Mm -hmm. are you saying that it's not a choice like it is a case of adjusting then I I don't know I mean for me I think I can hopefully balance these two things or given the opportunity to I think I could balance these things um to my satisfaction um now I've just got to persuade my bosses and um, project managers to give me the opportunity to balance them, um, which I think I can do. And I'm optimistic about getting a, a challenging and exciting role going forward. Um, so I think I can make it work. Equally, I think I could have been happy without having a child. I was perfectly happy with my relationship with my husband, with the job that I was doing. Um, I was fulfilled in life. So I, I didn't need a child to complete me. Um, right. So whilst I've enjoyed every moment of it, that would have been an option to just not have that. So I can see there is a happy life possible in both directions but this is the one that I've committed to now Mm. um so I'm going to make this one work gosh it's so reassuring and comforting to hear the way you rationalize um the choices you've made in life and I must say that everything that you've said all stems from this really strong self-belief that you have (laughs) um it's just been amazing listening to you thank you so much for coming on this show and sharing all your experiences with us well uh thank you for having me and i hope somebody out there has found it interesting or or helpful to uh, to hear i'm convinced of that thank you so much that's it from my stem guest this week what an incredible woman who just sees life so clearly or at least that's how it sounds and uh i don't know it all does stem from having that strong sense of self and knowing what you want and not letting anyone else's attitudes hold you back thank you so much for listening this week don't forget to rate and review the show and catch you next week on silence